We abuse land because we regard it as a commodity belonging to us. When we see land as a community to which we belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. My name is Stuart Richardson. Landscapes of Consciousness will highlight those who fight to protect the land, a sharing of hopeful visions and stories that bring us back to the land, a place that heals and replenishes us in a world that is in rapid transition. My hope is that we come to know we are a single whole with each other and nature, that when we hurt nature, we are hurting ourselves. I am very privileged to have Philip McMaster on the phone. He's a serial social entrepreneur and experienced co-founder of many social enterprises over the years. The most important and timely in the last decade and a half include the McMaster Institute, Sustainable Development and Commerce, Peace Plus One World Sustainability Project, and his accolades go on and on. He's an international expert in cross-cultural sustainability. Hey, welcome to the show, Philip. Well, thank you, Stuart. Great to be here. Great to hear your voice again. Yes, it has been a long time. I met you many years ago at a highway protest in rainy Vancouver, and you showed me at the time <laughs> the three-finger philosophy. What is the three-finger philosophy? That, that's a long time ago. It's over probably 10 years, more than 10 years ago. And we were still sharing the idea of society, the environment, and the economy in balance. The triple bottom line, we all know this from, from business school, the three-finger symbol meaning we have to balance our lives, peace, which is two fingers, two, two raised fingers, peace symbol, and then add one, peace plus one, join the fun. Exactly. And I've seen you um, being photographed with hundreds of people, I guess, including myself, doing the three-finger um, symbol. Now, your work has taken you to China. You've worked with many, many, many hundreds of young people, and you started something called the Republic of Conscience. What does it mean to be a member of the Republic of Conscience? Well, you're absolutely right. The Republic of Conscience is the culmination of all of these thousands of young people and, and older people as well, but the, the Republic of Conscience is, is nowhere and it's everywhere. It's, it's wherever you are. I point to my head and, and I say, it's in your conscience. How does it operate? Because I think many people hear about conscience and they say, okay, look, um, I, I care about the environment. I, I recycle and I sometimes take public transit. So what are the limits of consciousness and what kind of consciousness do we need to come to to make the changes that we really need to kind of save this planet? Well, look at, as you say, look at the situation we're in now, uh, the COVID-19, the climate crisis not really being looked after as a, as a crisis that it is. As you mentioned, I've traveled around the world. I used to work in China. I worked for the Chinese Academy of Sciences Research Center for Eco-Environmental Science. Um, I, I worked in media, uh, acted on TV, you know, all kinds of wacky stuff, and taught at the Chinese University of Hong Kong in Hong Kong, essentially where this three-finger symbol was popularized. That's where I had a captive audience of students who were entrepreneurs, and what I was trying to do is, is give them an entrepreneurial uh, sense of how do we do business within the restrictions of our, the planet on which we live. So the, the main thrust of the Republic of Conscience, which is, we don't call it so much the Republic of Conscience anymore, we call it Conscience Land. So what is Conscience Land about? Well, as you're asking, 
It's about wherever you're, you are, whatever you're doing, use your conscience. Uh, the little devil on one shoulder and the little angel on the other shoulder, you know, consult with them, you know, make your decision whether you're going to go the easy uh, way, the, the way that is probably, you know, harmful to the planet, or if you're going to take a little more effort, maybe a quite a bit more effort, maybe a bit of sacrifice even, and use the good route, you know, transportation, food, um, you know, your, the clothing you wear, all of these things, we have to begin to be conscientious. We're past the tipping point probably, and we really have to begin to make some hard decisions. Absolutely, Phil. And I, I always liken the phrase, um, the world's not a bad place because of the bad people. It's a bad place because of good people who do nothing. And I, what I like about your conscience land is you're not prescribing what people should be doing. You're asking people to, correct me if I'm wrong, access the skills they have to make ethical choices that make this world a better place. And, and look at the young people. Look at Greta Thunberg, what you are in Switzerland, and what people can do when they start to just speak out. So can you give some examples of people that you've met in Conscious Land and some of the good work they're doing? Well, you know, you brought up Greta, uh, Greta Thunberg. I met her in Katowice, Poland, uh, at COP24, uh, the UN Conference on Climate Change, number 24, which is actually, I met her uh, a little bit before she was famous. You know, she, she had been doing her, her camping out in front of the uh, Swedish parliament. She started that in August, and this uh, uh, event was in November. So she had just started the Fridays for Future. And by the way, I don't know if you mentioned it in the, in the lead up to this, but today it's Fridays for Future. Every Fridays for Future, after meeting Greta, and a couple of times in, in Katowice, Poland, and in, in London, I uh, all every Friday make a uh, climate strike online, uh, Fridays for Future, EarthMobilization.com poster, picture. And often I do a, a video as well on Facebook. So that's my effort to, to uh, you know, expand what she has started. Now, she has a, many hundreds of thousands more followers who are, you know, doing much more than I am doing. But as you point out, conscience land, because it's wherever you are, people in conscience land come together. We find each other, not only at these conferences, but, you know, the way we met, <laughs> Stuart. Yes. You know, we met because I was at a protest. You were at a protest. We were trying to stop this injustice toward the environment, toward people. You know, we're of a type of person of which there are millions around the world, but we're coming together because we have the big objective and we're not so concerned about our own, you know, our own status, our own safety and, and these sort of things. And we do things. So that's what conscience land is trying to encourage. I, and to answer your question more directly, I've met the young people from uh, the UK youth organizations who were also protesting. Uh, Jamie Margolin, the, the young girl from, uh, in the USA, she's in uh, New York, uh, who then testified in front of the American, uh, I think it's the Senate or something, but you know, she testified along with Greta and, and others, uh, you know, putting the youth voices right in front 
you know, speaking truth to power right in front of, uh, of, the, of the media and in, in front of these politicians. So I'm just so privileged, so lucky to have, you know, personally met these people, but not even the ones that I've, I've met. I marched with a thousand, but anyway, a lot of young people this past January to Davos, the economic forum in, right. in Davos. And, uh, you know, what a fantastic experience for me with all these young people who are absolutely passionate and they are completely awake about how the world is being manipulated against their interests. I'm so glad, Philip, uh, you brought up these things, because when we talk about this social change that we need, this this uh, mass movements that we need, we are the majority. Uh, most people you talk to want a clean environment. They want clean air to breathe. They want a clean food system. They want better transit options. And it's not this big struggle between two large groups. It's, it's the people versus these moneyed, small, moneyed interest. Here in British Columbia, we're having a tremendous battle against the pipeline. Uh, they want to increase the tanker traffic tenfold of bitumen through the harbor of Vancouver through an expanded pipeline. And the, even our progressive provincial government took it to the Supreme Court. The federal government's trying to push it through. But it's not a, a whole bunch of people on the other side. It's a few moneyed interests. So what do you tell people who are cynical? What do you tell people whom think that it's inevitable, as many people have told me. How do, you, how do you speak to those people who feel a little disenfranchised at this moment? You know, most of the civil society movement is very, very discouraged. And I, I, I don't want to discourage people more by saying that, but I, I want to inspire them. Right. I want to tell them, and us, and everyone, including the rich, including the powerful, that we live on one planet. It is only one spaceship. It's only one Titanic. And we are taking on water really fast. We're on our way down to drown. Now, we, I mean, that sounds terrible, and it is terrible. But it also includes all those people who are making these decisions about the future, as you, as you point out. You know, Aboriginal peoples in Canada and, and around the world have this seven generations thought this idea that the decisions you make today you know to take an animal for food or, or whatever it is you're doing to cut a tree uh first of all you respect it and you apologize for taking it and then you make efforts to replace it or to do something that is that compensates for it so that the balance of the ecosystem and and the balance of justice is is served well, can we learn from the Aboriginal people? I think so. <laughs> I think they've been around and, and yes. treating the environment in a relatively good way, although all humans have been a negative impact on the environment as right. soon as we have technology. You're asking me, what, would I, what do I say to people? It isn't hopeless. Once you take action, there's enormous hope. And the more people that take action, the more hope. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the hope. It's about the action. You know, people like um, Blundell, what's his name? The, the chap that wrote uh, Deep Adaptation. It, um, it skips my mind right now. <laughs> are you familiar with that? Yeah, see, he, you know, he points out that we're really in a difficult situation, of course. But what we have to do, and this is what Sustain a Clause, my, 
my character, you know, that, <laughs> that I go to all these UN conferences as as the sustainable Santa. You know, what Sustainable Clause says is, who are you doing this for? You're, are you doing it for yourself and your own pocketbook? Or are you doing it for generations in the future and your own children and their, their children's children? And, and I think it does change people's mind when they combine the idea that, okay, well, if the Titanic's going down, we better all start bailing. We, all, we better start getting the water out and, and, and floating the boat again and, and re, refurbishing the boat and letting it, uh, hopefully it's a wooden boat, <laughs> and, you know, it, it floats on its own as the earth absolutely is a perfect environment for all life. So it can do its job beautifully if we just, uh, you know, give it a chance. So even during the, the uh, COVID-19, uh, you know, some people said, oh, well, look, you know, nature will come back if we just reduce our emissions. Well, no, <laughs> we have to cut our emissions drastically. We have to find new ways of doing energy consumption, and we have to change not just our personal behavior. In conscience land, we have a lot of processes, a lot of rituals, which are very similar in, in some ways to the existing old world principle uh, rituals. But what we're trying to do is give people a happy communal uh, local uh, basis on which to live so that they stop needing to compete on a global basis because naturally our, our globalization is, is what's destroying our forests, destroying our oceans, raising the consumer consumption. And, uh, you know, we just can't move forward with this same uh, uh, way. And I, I will say one more thing about you know, I said bail the boat and, 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 and let's, right. let's float all the boats together. Let's imagine that there's a lot of little wooden boats and we bind them all together and the chance of them sinking is very small because as we centralize, government centralize, businesses are multinational centralized, Amazon is a central warehouse, all of these things. When you centralize, it's a very fragile system. Right. So we have to make it less fragile. That's one thing. And then... We have to confront. This is the part of the protest stuff, which some people don't agree with me, but if you've seen pictures of Sustainaclaws, I mean, I, he's on the front lines of, you know, the XR, Extinction Rebellion in, in London. You know, I was, uh, you know, walking Waterloo Bridge with hundreds of people, um, you know, all, all these places, uh, uh, Marble Arch and so on, Parliament Square. That's also necessary. We need to tell and clearly listen to what I'm saying. We're not begging. We're not even asking. We're not begging and we're not asking. We are demanding. We are demanding that these governments, these multinational corporations and their leadership, supposed leadership, they're not leaders at all, mm -hmm. but these people have to be confronted. Now, I'm not talking violence. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, scaring them. There's enough information to scare the hell out of them to, to get out of the businesses they're in. Because if we show them that the monetary system's collapsing, 
you know, the economic system's collapsing, and the best thing that anybody can do on this planet for their children is learn how to live together in harmony and how to live together with nature in harmony, permaculture and so on. So that's a bit of a long talk, I know, but I, I have to get it out. I think the reason you've been doing this so long and I, I've been doing this for many, many years on, on the radio is because it feels frigging amazing to have, an, to have your small impact in the community and see a thousand fires burning for social change. Just around, just around where I live, uh, Pine Cone Burke Mountain Park was going to be developed and destroyed by private power. Um, that was blocked. Uh, the Northern Gateway Pipeline was canceled. We threw out a regressive federal government. Um, it goes on and on. In my small community, uh, a large uh, <clears throat> excuse me, forest was saved from uh, developers because the community rose up and protected that park, uh, Bert Flynn Park. It's amazing victories all over the place, and those are minimized, but I, I think we should rise them up and say, look, when we get together, when we care enough about our communities, we have an impact. And when you don't care, when you look the other way, when you don't have conscience, we have a homeless problem in Vancouver. They have a homeless problem in our big cities, and we don't have financial sustainability. Sooner or later, there's going to be a tent around the corner park from you, and I'm sorry you don't like it, but we should have acted sooner. So we can solve our problems, and I think children, I think young people are rational. They just want to get to the problem and solve it. I think we all need a little bit of a mind of a young person that we can solve these problems. They're not complicated. And speaking of solving problems in action, tell me about your organization and what you do Wednesdays and how people can get in touch, etc. Okay, well, uh, okay, just an overview. It's called the World Sustainability Co-op. This is what we've, we've it used to be called the U World Sustainability Project. And now, since I've met so many people here in Switzerland and other places who realize that we need to cooperate, we need to do, have a structure, a legal structure, which is more equitable. Well, it's completely equitable. They're members. So let me briefly explain. The World Sustainability Co-op of Conscience Land is a co-op, just like these co-op uh, food stores or, or any of these kind of things, except the World Sustainability Co-op is mostly about education and information and data. So what we're doing is we're saying all of these organizations around the world join the co-op. Now, you don't diminish your own organization whatsoever by joining the co-op. You are still your organization and your uh, partner in the co-op. You're a member partner in the co-op. Then, then what we do in the co-op is develop the Gaia catalog. And the Gaia catalog is what? Well, it's a catalog of all the people, the places, the products, all the things that are already validated by the members of the co-op. The same as the commercial retail co-ops. They have their own brands, and they say that their brands are good. Well, in conscience land, we have a very clear interest in making sure our products are good, and especially the products that would be ultimately put in the Gaia catalog. Why? Because we use them. They're our families. They're our friends. We're recommending things that I'm holding up my three fingers now to the radio. <laughs> <laughs> society, environment, economy. The impact on society. Is it a good product for, you know, is it healthy for society in terms of medical health and so on? Is it um, economically beneficial to the local community. 
not for a multinational. We're not talking about Monsanto and, and Nestle and, and Coca-Cola. We're talking about local products, clothing, shoes, food, you know, whatever. The way we used to do things before this globalization. So the community resilience, in effect, the local economy, and then finally the environmental impact. Well, as a member and, and citizen of, of Conscience Land, a member of the, of, of the co-op, you will know because you will be part of the process of finding these products, voting on these products, benefiting from possible advertising of these products in the, in the catalog. So the ones that you find in the, that are entered in the catalog, you could possibly benefit from. So what we're trying to do is make it, you know, the, almost the opposite of the system we have now. Everything centralized, the advertising agencies make billions, the companies make billions, and the people get sick, and the planet gets sick. We have to flip that over. And then finally, uh, well, there's a lot to it, but maybe the final thing that I want to mention is that we also are developing an economy in itself. It's called the caring economy. And the, 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 the currency is called, I have this poster in front of me, you can't see it <laughs> on the radio, it's right. called the caring currency. And the first caring currency, which has already been issued, there's thousands of people who already have this currency called the SDG token of appreciation. So the SDGtoken.com, if you want to look it up, uh, SDG token of appreciation is a token that I've been giving out, and I would like to give out to your listeners as well. All right. Uh, I mean, I'll give them to you, and you give them to your listeners. Fabulous. Right? Because, right. because the, the nature of our of the economy that we're talking about is that it's a caring economy, which means the first and fundamental thing we need to do is create good relationships with people. Good relationships. It's not about the money. It's about, I'll explain in Three Finger Wednesday or, or Change Wednesday what that, how that works, but it's about paying it forward. So in the, in the SDG token of appreciation, I give it to you, you give it to somebody else, and somebody else gives it to somebody else. So we expand the network of conscience land through appreciating what people are actually doing to solve the sustainable development goal, the SDGs. Maybe it sounds complicated. I hope not. No, it's very but, exciting. Yeah, it's very exciting, and it's very doable. We're actually already starting to do it. But what we need, of course, is more people. We need people at ExtinctionSolution.com. We need people in Conscience Land. We need all as many people, you know, to be participating in this. Uh, it's, it's just not enough to protest. You know, I, I'm not against protest. I've been involved in them myself. But there's a point at which the protest is begging. It's just asking, won't you listen to me? Please, please listen to me. And I'm finished with that. I will send you, if you're interested, I'll send you some, some video, you know, some, some speeches I've given in, in Nepal and Kathmandu and, uh, and in, in, in uh, Hong Kong and so on about exactly this. And I say at the beginning of these speeches, I'm not begging. We're I'm not demanding. begging anymore. I'm not asking. I'm saying we're going to do this. And if anybody's with me, lead follow or get out of the way because we don't have time and and i start to criticize these other organizations you know i won't mention them by name but you know these are other other organizations social enterprises and you know green organizations and 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 global union organizations 
the trouble is they're bureaucracies and they're bought. They've been co-opted. Many of them have been overwhelmed. They've been co-opted. Kip yeah. Anderson's uh, Cowspiracy film, he points out that, I think it was Greenpeace or was it the, or Sierra Club or something, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't talk about beef production because they were sponsored by the beef production people. We have to move away from all of these established uh, green organizations or global management organizations or whatever the hell they're called, and we have to start to build our own. And that's the opportunity for young people. What a fantastic opportunity. You know, this is the entrepreneurial chance of a lifetime. Let's link up. It's fabulous. I'm with you. I, I think people should absolutely build their own uh, intelligent and educational institutions that can link up and challenge um, the the status quo, which is uh, to do nothing, of course. So I absolutely support that, and, and you have my support here. Please tell um, our listeners that, that span right across from coast to coast to coast, um, from progressive radio stations who are listening to this, and online, of course, where can they get the information? Where can they um, get involved and uh, just... Um, to hear your websites again, and, and to thank you for your time. Okay, well, very quickly, um, the main website that we're using now is called ExtinctionSolution.com. Many people have heard of Extinction Rebellion. Well, I was working with Extinction Rebellion. You'll even see maybe some parts of that on the, on the work. But this is now the next phase, ExtinctionSolution.com. And that's the spirit of what we're doing in Conscience Land and with the World Sustainability Co-op is we're now in the solution phase. We're not asking the leaders to, to do what we want. we're we demanding. I mean, we demand it, but we're, we're not waiting for them. We have to build this other place. Why? Because people will be hit hard very shortly. And we want to have a welcoming co-op, you know, global welcoming family for those people who, oh, up to now, maybe they've denied it, but now they've been bitten in the butt, (laughs) and now they're realizing, wow, I should do something for myself, for my family, and for my community. I thank you so much, Phil, for the work you've been doing for many, tirelessly for many years, and um, I'm glad I met you way back when, and I, I thank you for spending a few moments of your time with me today. Fantastic. You have been listening to Conscious Landscapes. To hear previous episodes, to find out about forest bathing, or come on a journey on purpose with us, please visit eco-awakening.com. Bye for now.